and welcome to Scan Talk by GS1 Ireland, the stories, the people and the standards transforming our daily lives. My name is Vanilla Malone, Digital Marketing Manager at GS1 Ireland. And today on the program, I'm joined by Kira Troy of Oishi Sushi. So welcome to the show, Kira. Thanks so much, Vanilla. Thanks for having me. That's a bit of a mouthful, Kira. I hope I pronounced that okay. <laughs> I was quite impressed, actually. Oh, really? You, you nailed it. <laughs> That's good to hear. So, Kira, do you want to tell us a little bit about the story of your business, Oishi Sushi, how you got started? Uh, well, really, it all started with um, a semester spent in Tokyo as part of my um, Trinity degree. Four of us went over. And I didn't realise it at the time, but it just had a huge impact on me. I fell in mm. love with the culture, the people. It was just a really positive experience. Yeah. So when I finished the degree, you know, I was fresh out of college, um, didn't fit the typical bill of a graduate um, in that I'd gone back as a mature student. So okay. I was kind of in my mid to late 20s. And I really missed the food that I experienced over in Japan. Yeah. So it was probably nothing. Very naive. I thought, sure, I think I'll make my own. <laughs> Just so the idea why not? foods was kind of a broader concept. It really was because I was passionate about Japanese food generally. Mm. So the idea was oishi, meaning delicious, that I would make healthy, delicious Japanese yeah. food. So it was very broad in the beginning. Gyoza dumplings, yakitori, miso soup. I think I even did a green tea drizzle cake at one stage. Yeah. But the demand was for sushi. Yeah. And I set up the farmer's market stall in July of 2006. In 2006. And there probably wouldn't have been a lot of Japanese restaurants or Japanese food in Ireland at the there time. There really wasn't. No. Um, the main sushi bar that I remember was Aya AYA behind Brian Thomas. Yeah. Just off Grafton Street. And we used to go in there, I'd say, nearly every Saturday night to get our Japanese fix. Yeah. But when you look at the amount of offerings in Dublin today, yeah, there really was very, very little. So yeah. there was a lot of um, there was a lot of educating, I suppose, around the sushi piece, but yeah. it wasn't all raw fish. Yeah. <laughs> and now that people have gotten their heads around sushi, I think people are now discovering that there's a lot more to Japanese cuisine than sushi as well. Yeah. So that will hopefully pave the way for um, a more broader food offering, but still Japanese inspired. So you were in Tokyo, you were doing this as part of your degree, and then you had this idea to bring Japanese food to Ireland. Where yes. did you take it from there? Well, from the farmer's market, um, I did numerous markets all around Dublin, um, but it was very, very hard work. So absolute respect for um, those that do farmer's mm. markets. It's a brilliant platform for getting direct consumer feedback. Yeah. Um, and when you're starting on a shoestring, I suppose for me, it was a natural way in because I had no cash at the time. Yeah. Um, but everything that was being made at one market was being plowed back in to make the next one. Yeah. And I would say that my energy reserves were starting to run on empty. So really, I started cold, cold calling um, and I cold called into a couple of spars, super values. And they asked me, um, did I have a barcode? <laughs> yeah. And I said, no. <laughs> What's that? How do I do that? 
go get some barcodes. <laughs> um, yeah, they basically said, go get some barcodes. You'll need to put a, a barcode on that and we'll see if it sells. Okay. And, and did you have any idea? I, that was where I met GS1. Oh. <laughs> and did you have any idea of how of how that process worked? Because like, it's not something anyone really thinks about, is it? Before they have to actually go and put one on their products. It's like, nobody really thinks about like you know how barcodes are managed or you know where do you go to get one or absolutely you're right I mean we shop day in day out and you know as consumers we buy numerous products and I think we just take it for granted the formatting and then suddenly you're looking at your own creation and thinking okay now I have to create a label like I see in the store so how do I go about doing that but I have to say GS1 was um the first port of call and I bought myself 10 barcodes yeah and and yeah I suppose I took a lot of learnings from what I saw on the shelf as well as going to the food safety authority for guidance on labeling requirements Yes, of course. Yeah. And how did you how did you know to approach GS1? Was that something that the retail stores were telling you to do or did you just do your own research? Well, they said get a barcode. And when I searched for a barcode, GS1 was the The, Irish company that came up. Yeah. And when I rang the office, they advised, you know, start with 10. Yeah. See how it goes there. Yeah. And it was so straightforward. That was that was really it. Um and I can't tell you how many times I've used the check digit calculator on the website, <laughs> you know, but um, and that was it. Literally formatted the labels on my home printer. I was able to get five labels to the Avery page. Yes. My yeah. trusty Stanley knife and chopping board <laughs> <laughs> and a good steady rule. I was able Stick to stick them five. on. Yeah, so absolutely. Literally, that was it. I think that a lot of people start off that way, don't they? Doing the labels themselves and doing all the packaging and labeling by yeah, hand. I mean, I think they thought I was was being funny when I'd say I'd have a tea tile over the, the basket going in in case if it rained, all the ink would run. <laughs> but, you know, when you have no money, you just do whatever you have to do to yeah. get a product on the shelf, you know? Absolutely. And then, so did you return then to and say, I have my barcode, I'm back? <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I So the first time I went in, I had just the sushi in the tray. And the yeah. second time I went in, I had my homemade, but legally compliant yes. label with a barcode. Yes. And, and I, I'd say that's literally where, where it all went from there. It grew very organically mm, in the early days. Yeah. I had my mobile number on the label and other stores then began ringing me as they saw the products on shelf. Yeah. And what was the, so obviously, you know, back in 2006, like we said, there wouldn't have been, you know, like Japanese restaurants or Japanese food the way there is now. So what was the reception that you were getting from people back then when you had this sushi product? I think it really showed an appetite for something new. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, and there there were a lot of people in Ireland and there, and there still is that no sushi and we're so happy to find, you know, a product. Maybe they would have traveled abroad to the States or Australia. And sushi is really big in the States mm. and Australia mm. and even travels to Southeast Asia. So, yeah, it was very, very welcomed Yeah, at the time. And then, you know, there was the other 
the other consumers that maybe need more education that it wasn't all raw fish yeah and like we've branched out a lot of our sushi now is not only fresh fish but smoked fish cooked fish we also do a vegan line um we have a hoisin duck and a chicken katsu line wow so i mean sushi is really referring to the vinegared rice so mm. if it's in the vinegared rice it's called sushi if it's mm. just the raw fish on its own it's sashimi mm. so it is sushi that we do and you've since won loads of awards oh well now congratulations this is our, this is our <laughs> 16th year in business so yeah i mean we have we have um entered into various wards over the years and we have been successful with some and not so successful with others but yeah I mean Oishi is now a teenager we are 16 years yeah. in July which is an amazing achievement in and of itself because like even to get past I know um on a previous podcast we were talking I was talking to a woman who was saying you know how difficult it is for businesses just to get past that two-year mark Absolutely. can be tricky just to be in business for 16 years is an incredible achievement yeah well you can't believe you you make it through the first year then you wonder will you make it through the five years yeah because so many businesses fall within the first five years and yeah. so I would I would honestly say that being an entrepreneur is an exercise in resilience absolutely you know, and to keep persevering through everything that has come our way from the recession, COVID, beast from the east, you name it. <laughs> you know, they're all just challenges and they'll either stop you in your tracks or you pick yourself up or you you adapt and you find some way of working around it. Um, yeah. But that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And I guess most recently we've had the COVID pandemic, which has been, you know, affected every business and particularly yeah. food businesses in Ireland um did you do anything differently during COVID or did you introduce anything I would say I did I did a lot of things differently yeah because as, as you said COVID just affected us all on a business level on a personal mm. level and never before was the business and personal absolutely intertwined yeah you know everybody was working from home, juggling kids, work, Yeah, <laughs> you know, two parents working in different rooms, you know, which is still the case. I mean, we're still predominantly working from home Yeah, um, in our house. So, yeah, I mean, I actually think in some ways we felt more connected because we were getting around the screen as a team more to try and support each other because we couldn't see yeah. each other face to face. Um. And our business practices had to change. We were staggering shifts. So we went from one shift to suddenly five night shifts and seven day shifts. So there were staff working all hours of the day and night just because we're in a very small premises. Okay. And you're based in Dublin, aren't you? Yeah, we're based in Smithfield. We've been part of the Spade Enterprise Centre for um, over 11 years now. And the Spade Centre is a, a wonderful community of businesses but mm. also food and smaller food businesses and startups um, and I just love the ethos of the spade community okay okay so, yeah, so we did a lot of things differently I would say the biggest change is we went from supplying the majority of our stores directly to then just suddenly everything stopped the best-selling stores had no footfall and there were no sales yeah. there was huge wastage and we had to do an absolute rethink because it was unsustainable yeah 
So the business today looks very different to how it looked pre-COVID. Um, but I would say that we're stronger as a result because yeah. it forced us to look long and hard at how we were doing things and why we were doing things and what were we really about. Yeah. You know? And I think if you if if I went back to that original concept of Oishi being an innovative, fresh, healthy, convenience, delicious, Japanese-inspired mm. food concept. You know, that's what we were about. It wasn't all about the sushi. So yeah. what we love is producing fresh, healthy, convenient products for the wider audience to enjoy. And that really is, is the thread that's going to carry us into the future. You're kind of sticking to your core concept of producing fresh, healthy Japanese food. Um, and that's kind of going to be your your kernel that you're taking with you into the future. Have you got any plans for 2022 and um, the next few years? What's in the works for Oishi? Yeah, Sushi? absolutely. We have um, great energy for 2022 and um, a strong team around me. There's now 25 people in the business. Wow. And. We're pushing hard, as I said, Oishi is 16 years this July, and we've learned so much over the years, and I think it has all played a part to bring us to this point. So February actually is going to be a very big month for us in that we're starting to export for the first time. Wow. Officially. So we're launching into Tesco, Northern Ireland, and Lidl, Northern Ireland. So this is really a big move for us because our products are very perishable and it's yeah. a race against time to get them on the shelf as fresh as they can be. So this to us is a really big deal. And thankfully, we've been supported by the likes of Enterprise Ireland um, and others. And this export piece now is really important for us and for the future of the business and for job creation. For sure. And how are you managing with obviously Brexit being a big concern for lots of businesses and, and food producers? Um, how are you yeah, finding the kind of paperwork and admin and getting your head around the whole legal side of exporting to Northern Ireland? Well, honestly, I'd say there's not a day in a week that goes by where we're not learning something or yeah. finding out another little nuance about Brexit or so it is a challenge but as I said we just have to tackle them one by one yeah literally I'm a big fan of the list yeah we might start with a different list but there is a list (laughs) and like what I'm hearing from people regarding Brexit is just you know you go looking for answers and it's like nobody seems to know the answer (laughs) you know it's like you're you're hoping that somebody will know (laughs) like somebody will have the answers but to keep keep asking and if they don't have the answers can they advise you as to who will have the answers so yeah there's a lot of searching and reaching out and trying to build a network and and then when we do learn a new piece of information it's about that sharing that information within the business yeah we can all learn from it yeah yeah and how has obviously the face of your business has changed so much from being in a farmer's market stall and selling um fresh Japanese food to now having a premises in Dublin where you have 25 people working for you. How have you managed that growth? Because obviously it's very different managing a business yourself 
and then going on to managing, you know, more and more people, more and more employees. How have you found that transition? I would say that it's been done with varying degrees of success, to be honest. Um, Yeah, because when I started, I didn't really know where it was going to go, although I, I, I did have my eyes set on retail and what I wanted to do with the food. Mm. But you're right. I didn't set up a business because I thought I was going to be a good boss or, you know, a good employer and all of the responsibilities that come with that. I would say a lot of it comes down to relationships, communication mm. and building trust um, and also having the confidence, I think, to bring the business forward. Yeah. And I haven't always had that confidence. I would say definitely I was a sufferer of the imposter syndrome for a couple of years. <laughs> um, you know, when I was I was young in business and then I was going through the normal steps of, you know, I got married. I have three children. Yeah. Um, I would have had to take absences along the way. So you're very much reliant on the team to support you when you take a step back because it's yes, important to take yeah. a step back. And although Oishi is my first baby uh, and now teenager, you know, I still have three others. So in my mind, I have four, four children. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all really, really important to me. Yeah. Um, but for me, it is about the balance and when the balance wasn't there I became resentful Mm. of the business so for me the balance of work and life is really really important um because then I can give it both my all yeah that's hard isn't it it's hard to to balance those two things yeah and I think in some ways you have to be selfish because as a boss or just even a, a staff member really you have to be strict with your time mm. and with what you want out of your day because the day can run away from you. The week yeah. can run away from you. So I had to become very strict with my my time and what I wanted. Yeah. And did you have any kind of mentors or, you know, other people in the food industry to turn to? Yes, um, I've had so many um, people that I've turned to over the years, literally too many to even mention right now but you are as good as those supporting you so that's Mm. what I mean I think it's all about building those relationships and networks networks like going for growth a female entrepreneur network was an incredible support over the years and still is Mm. and it fosters that sense of community relationship you know peer networking information sharing yeah, are now they? Just are they example, an Enterprise Ireland uh, group, Kira? They, they are, they are, mm. and they're um, they're supported by KPMG as well, and yeah. that's headed up by Paula Fitzsimons, absolute inspiration of a lady. Mm. Um, and I've met so many wonderful um female entrepreneurs and uh, business owners through that network. But aside from that, whether it's the local enterprise offices, board BIA, like whatever your business is, you reach out to those that are the pillars within that industry. Yeah. And, you know, you reach out when you need support. And you now have become... um a speaker on entrepreneurship in Ireland and I see on your website there you do consultancy work and stuff like that how have uh, how did that come to be or how did you get involved 
uh, with that side of things? I would say it was a fairly organic transition as well. But I think when you're passionate about what you do and you're open about what you've learned along the way, people want to hear a genuine, honest story. Yeah. You know, is it like literally a story of hard work? And, you know, I am no different to anybody else other than I've dug my heels and then I've managed to persevere. I have spoken at different events over the years. I haven't done so much in the last number of years, but mm. it was mainly for International Women's Day, and yeah. women in business. And you talked there about, you know, kind of learning how to run a business from, you know, from the last 16 years and mentoring, you know, receiving mentorship from other entrepreneurs and other women in business. What advice would you give to people who want to maybe start a food or drink business in Ireland that are just starting out? Yeah, I think if someone has an idea and they're not really sure where to go with it, there are numerous supports now for people um, at that startup stage. So I would encourage them to reach out and find out about their local supports, whether it's Mm. the local enterprise office or an initiative by Enterprise Ireland or even Board BIA, because there's lots of collaborative approaches. I mean, if it was a fish-based idea, you might look at Bordish Kawara. Mm. You know, there's a wealth of information on on the websites now. And there's also a lot of initiatives like shared kitchens. So when I began, I began in my own kitchen. Yeah. But now there's shared kitchen concepts like Newmarket. I believe there's kitchens down in Carrigaline in Cork. And yeah. Spade Enterprise Centre are actually developing a, a shared kitchen concept. Wow, I've never heard beauty. about that. Because I've heard yeah. of co-working spaces and kind of yeah. um, remote offices and stuff like that that you can rent part-time. But that's really interesting. I've never heard of the shared kitchens. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant because it would give you access to catering equipment, the right environment to be producing food or drink. But when you're a startup, you don't necessarily want to get bogged down with a lease or a monthly rent when you don't know how things are going to go. Yeah, the huge investment. You might have a product idea and it might only need one day a week or one day a month in the early days. So the idea that you could pay for a facility as and when you need it is just genius. Yeah, that's a great idea. Never even heard of that. And how did you find, because I've talked to a lot of people that um, say are doing uh, non-perishable foods, whereas sushi obviously is such a a kind of a one day, (laughs) maybe a very fresh product that's hard to keep how did you manage that in terms of getting into retail because I know that's um that poses its own difficulties doesn't it if something is very very fresh and (laughs) absolutely such a challenge yeah (laughs) if my I wish my idea had been (laughs) a little easier could it not have been coffee or crepes something you know high margin yeah long shelf life yeah but I didn't think of that I would I was just following what I loved yeah um, and I really didn't think 
about how perishable it was and all of the challenges and um, because sushi and refrigeration you know they're not a match made in heaven yeah but I am creating a food type that I love um, albeit with all of its challenges yeah so yeah I mean look if I could go back in time I'd probably say develop the concept write a business plan think through maybe more the, <laughs> the supply chain issues yeah. the logistical yeah. issues yeah but I, I genuinely jumped in head first and thought about the business plan later but 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 that's it but you, you obviously you obviously managed it well because it's in retail stores all over Ireland and you're do or die Fanula <laughs> make it work make it work <laughs> You can't keep paying people on credit cards. Make it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely needs must. I mean, I tell you, I think I'm very goal driven. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. When your back is up against it, I tell you, that's when the, the ideas start pouring out because you've you've no options. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, well, listen, thank you so much for talking to us today, Kira grateful for the opportunity to share my story and hopefully it will resonate with people out there and give them the confidence to go and pursue their own ideas and I'm sure it will if they did sure. want to get in touch we are on social media Instagram, yeah tell us Oishi your, your handles Oishi Foods Oishi Foods Limited and we're mainly on Instagram and Facebook and I'm also contactable on info at oishifoods.com so please feel free to reach out and is i assume then your website is oishifoods.com yeah or oishisushi.ie either one will get to us perfect listen thank Thank you you so so much much, Kira. it's been a pleasure thank you to our contributor today to kira troy of oishi sushi today's episode of scan talk was presented and produced by me fanua malone you can subscribe to ScanTalk by GS1 Ireland on Apple, Google, Acast, Spotify, or on our website, gs1ie.org forward slash podcast. Talk to you next time.